Welcome to the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. I'm Sandra. And I'm Gary. And together, we are the Cocktail Lovers. We're a married couple and we've been writing about cocktails for the past 12 years. But this is the place where we'll be talking about cocktails. We're going to be talking about products. We're going to be talking about books. And we're going to be talking about the bars that we love and we think that you'll love too. We'll also be checking in with some of the biggest names in the industry and asking them to share their top tips with us to help you up your mixing game at home. We like to think of ourselves as your new best friends cocktail wise so let's hear what's on the show this week we're really mixing things up this week going from grape and grain to gin let's call it the big g episode we have an interview with the og of british motor racing the one the only jensen button who talks about his latest project which blends two of his newfound passions coach building and whiskey we look ahead to national gin and tonic day and sample two gins, one from India, the other from Cornwall. And we get our great fix from this week's library pick. Not a recipe book, but a memoir called Wine Girl by Victoria James. Our last G is reserved for Gabriel Waterhouse, who heads up the Waterhouse Project in East London. The food is fab, but wait till you try the house-made non-alcoholic cocktail pairings. Quite frankly, they're bloody genius. But first... We are the cocktail lovers, so let's make ourselves a cocktail. So technically, it is supposed to be spring, although here in London <laughs> is, would you say, You'd ch- never know. a little chilly. Yeah, outside. we had snow this week, for goodness Ridiculous sake. Ridiculous in April. But as I say, technically, it is spring is on the way. We're in spring. So I've been thinking about longer, refreshing drinks for those sunny days, which I hope are shortly going to arrive. you know, we can have long, refreshing drinks any time, really. Good point. Mm-hmm. Well made. So, <laughs> so I'm going to go with an Americano. Marvellous. Lovely. Now, this is a fascinating drink. It's one of those drinks I've sort of gone back to on and off over the years. And about all I really kind of knew about it, it was it's sort of the precursor to the Negroni. But we mentioned on this podcast not that long ago a fantastic book by David Wondrich called The Oxford Companion to Spirits and Cocktails. So I delved into that to see what Mr. Wondrich had to say about the Americano. And this is what I learned. He said, Americano translates as American style or in the American way. Ah. And the reason for that is this drink comes from around about the 1860s and it was inspired by the practice, uh, the American practice, because as cocktails were growing then, of adding bitters to vermouth. So it was almost like from Italy to America and back to Italy. And he describes it as sort of almost like the first example of aperitivos combining with cocktails. Mm. That's fascinating. It is. I love drinks because there's so much great history behind them. You know, people sometimes just think of things just thrown in a glass, but it is so much art and history and geography and all kinds of wonderment that goes into uh, them. Absolutely. And it's funny what you, that you say that because, yes, you can and we do uh, enjoy drinks on, on their own level as drinks, but it always does give another mm. facet to the enjoyment mm. when you when you know that, as you say. So... On that note, why don't actually make us a couple? Why don't you, please? Right, so I've got a couple of uh, tall glasses or Collins glasses, if you want to be very... Technical. And into these, I'm pouring two parts. So that's a 50 ml of sweet vermouth. And this is a nice um, recipe because you just build it in the glass, don't you? We love it, don't we? Mm -hmm. Right, so alongside... My two parts of sweet vermouth, I've now got two parts of Campari. So that's gone in easy. Now, nice bucket opening. Get some ice and fill this with ice right to the top of the glass. So we it nice and chilled. There we go. And I'm opening some soda water to top up. So lovely three-ingredient cocktail. It really is. Mm. Yeah. So I'm doing for this, I'm topping up, but I'm also measuring. So I've had 
two parts of the sweep remove, two parts of Campari, and three parts of soda water. So that goes in. And then you, a lot of times this is garnished with a slice of orange, which is delicious. But also, I kind of like it this version. I'm actually doing a, a little twist of orange, because the reason I like that is... I'll just get those little peels off, that's it. Because I like expressing the oils of the the peel of the orange peel over the drink and then dropping the peel in because I, I think the, the smell of the really intense smell of the orange is, mm. gets you going I just, just give that yeah, a little I, lift yeah give that little stir and now I'll drop my orange onto that there you go that's wonderful uh, Americano cheers Americano <laughs> cheers chin chin perfect absolutely perfect mm. So it's gin and tonic day on the 9th of April. Did you know that? I do now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, we both knew. We didn't did we? know. Because we we've both know. chosen gins in honour of this wonderful gin and tonic day, which, as I said, is on the 9th. And I'm starting with a gin all the way from India. Oh, wow. I, I wanted to go for an Indian gin because gin and tonics actually hail from India when the British Army used to have gin with a quinine-based tonic in order to ward off malaria. So that's where it gets its beginnings from. So I thought that it would be quite a nice thing to try an Indian gin. I think that's a very good idea. What's it called? Um, it's called Jessalamir. Oh, wow. That, that's, that's, I'm glad you're doing this one because I, I bet I would pronounce it <laughs> I think I might have said usually, it wrong as I well. I usually do. It's called Jessalamir okay. gin. And it is, as I said, crafted in India. And they like to say this. They're very proud of the fact that it's crafted in India. It's launched actually in 2018. So it's not a new gin, but it is still quite new in the fact that I don't know how many Indian gins there are out there, but this is a good one that you can find everywhere, actually. So first of all, let's talk about this lovely bottle. It's stunning, isn't it? Isn't it? It's a beautiful matte black bottle. At at first, I almost would say it almost had like a whiskey feel about it. Yeah, it's very proud and bold. And also because it's got this lovely... um, gold almost coppery embossed logo that comes out really proud very stately very royal i would say in its look and its feel so you've got this black you've got gold and then this teeny little bit of blue writing which says the royalty awaits so are you ready for this do you think i I, I hope (laughs) no that i mean it's it's here i have a little look closer very premium everything about it feels very premium but i i I totally agree what you said about that um embossing that what did you say copper well it's a it's goldy goldy coppery you know it's just whatever it is it's 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 beautiful beautiful and very regal what's the little uh animal on there it is actually a buck, and oh. it is to um, represent the high prize Giselmere royal flag. And mm. there's lots of other little details in here, like um, a fort that is part of Giselmere as well. And, you know, it, you can tell there's something very special yes. going on, both yeah. outside and, I hope, inside the Let's bottle. Let's find out. Right, so even though we're going to be trying these with tonics, as usual, we'll try it neat first, yeah. so we get a little little taste of mm-hmm. what's gonna, what we hope will be, what it will be bringing to the party once we add the tonic. So this is this is neat. Thank you. Room temperature. Mmm. That's lovely. Yeah, it's very juniper forward. Yeah, and also I didn't mention actually that. There's 11 botanicals in this gin, and seven of them are sourced from India. So they're all hand-picked. We have coriander and vetiver grown in Jaisalmer, and then orange peel from central India, cubeb berries and lemongrass from southern India, Darjeeling green tea leaves from eastern India, and lemon peel from western India. And then the rest of the botanicals are caraway seed, angelica, juniper, and licorice. So those are quite traditional. Mm -hmm. But what is worth talking about, actually, is the vetiver, because vetiver is usually used in in fragrance, in perfumes. So it usually has this sort of 
not just perfumey taste or characteristic, mm. should I say, but it also has a dryness. So let's see if that let's, translates let's in here. In. Wow, that's great. It has got um, a teeny bit of spiciness. I would have thought there might have been more spice than this, but yeah. what are you getting? Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's a little hint of spice, but but that dryness is really, mm. and I love, I really like that. It's it sort of, it really in the finish, it's got a long finish. Yeah. The, the, the longer it goes on, the that pleasant dryness you it's get. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm doing gestures with my fingers, which is not very helpful for people listening. I can see them. They're but great gestures. What, what I'm gesturing <laughs> is that dryness you get around the sort of your cheeks almost mm, and the back of it's the, lovely. the tongue. And, and also you can tell that that's going to really lend such richness and character to a gin and tonic or even a martini it's got mm. it's more of a london dry style gin you yeah. know it's it, it doesn't feel overly spiced as i said but there's a hint of that and also a sort of hitrous hit um, hitrous citrus hit that, <laughs> that you get through which is beautiful oh, also i i you know i totally agree with what you said about uh gnt and a martini 100 percent about mm. that but also because it is a very complex liquid mm. um i could almost imagine just sipping this with some ice like you know yes <laughs> yeah it's it lends a lot it brings mm. a lot to to the party as i said it's triple distilled neutral grain spirit and it's redistilled in a copper pot still yeah, I love that on its own. So let's see what happens tonic. with the tonic. Right. I'll just pop a little bit of ice into some glasses Yeah, And know. while you do that, I'll just say a little bit more. This is made by Radico Katane, one of the largest and oldest whiskey players in the Indian spirits industry. And they've tried their hand at gin, and I think they've done a bloody good job, quite frankly. So let's add some gin to our glasses okay. do you want to do you want to do that over there yeah great right. I'll just measure up whoops i'll try to get off an, an imaginary <laughs> bottle I, I forgot you'd taken the top off already enough yeah right. that gin anyway. has got to your head already no. right okay i'll give us a a single measure mm -hmm. and that's some ton tonic water here let's open up they go. actually um recommend serving it with an orange twist i mean most gin and tonics we tend to have them with lemon you well, like I, lime I, I, don't you yeah but actually sometimes with gin and tonic i actually like them without any garnish at all mm. and i think i'm gonna try this and see what i think oh that's lovely that's a really good g and t it's very yeah. characterful yeah i would have this without a garnish yeah exactly mm. you can get all of the lovely um botanicals coming through beautiful beautiful gin it is as i say giselle Mere, and it is 35 pounds it's, it's it varies a lot actually in price anywhere from about 31 to about 38 so i'd say about 35 pounds and in that's for a 70 cl bottle and um for a picture of it in its splendor have a look on our Instagram feed, and that's one of our picks for G&T Day. I'm actually going for an Old Tom gin for oh, my right. choice. Yeah. Okay. And I think it's worth us talking a little bit about Old Tom, mm. because certainly I think going back, I don't know, what, 10 or so years, when this kind of whole gin thing was kicking in, you know, craze, revival, call it what you will. And at that time, I think we came across maybe one old Tom gin or something, and it wasn't really a thing. But then as, you know, people got more and more into gin, there have been a lot of old Toms coming our way. And the one I've gone for is called Penny Drop Old Tom Gin from Cornwall. Before we get into this particular yeah. old Tom, what is old Tom? Why is it called well, old Tom Gin? I think, uh, well, actually, what it's 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 a, it's sweeter right. uh, than London Dry. Uh, that's not to say it is a sweet drink, but it's sweeter. And I think it's almost like the original kind of gin. And I think it was just the way it was made before it taste got drier and drier, and it sort of got usurped by. So it's, it's another style. Of yeah, it's gin. another style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, as I said, it's a little bit sweeter, as we'll probably find out shortly. Um, this one, as I said earlier, it's from Cornwall, and uh, 
It's produced by a company called Drink Finder, which actually is more of a shop and a, a place that sells other mm, brands. Sounds like that. Yeah, mm. but this is a, they've decided to make their own spirit and they're based in Cornwall, so oh. they've, they, they, that's a nice touch. So it's got sort of some of the usual botanicals in it, like juniper and coriander and so on. But interestingly, they've gone for sea buckthorn berries, which are harvested in Cornwall. Mm. And they've also added a little local honey as well. Okay. Well, that will definitely give it the sweetness. Yeah. So just to say a little bit about that, we've talked about the name, but in terms of the name and the label, which I'm already loving the label, and you'll find out why shortly. Um, um, it's, as I say, it's called Penny Drop Old Tom Gin. And you, you said about the, the name, not the name, but Old Tom Gin generally. And they relate the story and I've heard a bit of this before mm. um, about during the, the sort of the original gin craze, if you like, in the 18th century, where people would buy a drop of gin by the penny. I don't know if it was just in certain areas, or whatever. And you'd put a penny in a slot in the wall at the sign of a cat, and then when the penny dropped, uh, somebody sitting behind this wall because it dispense was your... would dispense a penny's worth of gin mm. out. It was like a it was like an 18th century vending machine. I love it though. <laughs> what a great idea! Yeah. So uh, so that's why they've called it Penny Drop because it's when mm. they dropped. And also they've got on the label they've got this cat. Now he ain't a lovable cat. He looks like he's. He looks like a street fighter. Uh-oh. Let, uh oh. I'll just pass this over to you to have a look. He's got, he's got a tough old looking face. This cat, and also he's wearing. Oh my god! I wouldn't we- mess with him. And he's wearing what looks like eighteenth century garb, yeah. like a neckerchief, or and something. And he's got a little wicked, little wicked wink on him as yeah, well. He looks like he? he's been in a few brawls yeah. on the street. So yeah. he's, he's a tough cat. No messing. Tough guy. <laughs> uh, but it's very beautiful label. It's got this lovely logo. It's got golds and greens and it's this it's beautiful it's a nice nice design this bottle so shall we crack it open i think so right let's go another another corked one hold on let me oh, break the seal here it comes come on muscles <laughs> there you go pass this over to you mm. Mm. getting this it's quite one. peppery for yeah. me on the nose and still again june juniper forward it is gin Yes. Now, there's definitely that sweetness. Mm. Also, maybe that, because of that sweet taste, it almost gives that thing of more viscosity. Whether it yeah. has or not, it's it's something about that. There's a, a textural thing mm. to it as well. But it's very smooth, it's very rich, and creamy, as you said before, mm. with a Giselma. But this one has a different kind of, of creaminess, doesn't it? Yes, because this, well, and this is 40%. But also, it's funny because you said when you when you were sort of talking about the aroma, you mm. said about peppery. I mm. think, but I'm getting that actually in the the taste. Mm. And I really like that, and also there is a bit of sweetness. But I think, as we emphasised earlier, it's not sweet. It's no. not like having something that's made with loads of syrup or whatever. It's just sweeter than a London yeah. dry gin, and it, it's more rounded, I guess, yeah. than a London dry as well, because it has that sort of very three sixty taste about it doesn't it yeah, that yeah. there are no harsh edges it's just sort of much rounder much fuller and you get that little bit of um the honey that you're you're talking yes. about as well which is lovely but it's I think very it, nice that definitely makes a, a you know another one to to try out in your cabinet mm. the, the, uh, the thing is it's, it'd be quite interesting to have this in a martini, I think, because mm. obviously we historically would go for very dry martinis. But I've noticed recently, you in particular, and me to an extent, we've been having our martinis a little bit wetter. Yeah, exactly. And it'd be interesting just to try this in a martini. I think I this think. one would do really well, but yeah. with a more d- quite dry vermouth just to, to balance it out, you know, which would be... Really lovely. It's mm. very nice. So having talked about martinis, why don't we actually instead just have a gin and tonic? Because we'll do it with the tonic. With, sorry, so just, just. It'll be interesting, actually, with the tonic, because I am much more used to having a, a London dry gin in a tonic. But, um, yeah, this will be rather nice. And there is that thing that um, people say, I'm just, I'm, I'm filling here because Gary's doing the uh, the necessaries with yeah, the drinks. I'm not good at multitasking. I either, <laughs> I either talk and do something 
or do something. I don't do something. Yeah, but there is another way. If people, you know, some people get quite geeky about their their tonics as well. And if you want to, you can preserve some of the effervescence of your tonic by pouring it slowly and gently over a bar spoon. So just for a little tip for you to try at home. Right, let's, let's go in on now. Old Tom, you know Penny what drop, we haven't done today? And, we haven't uh, cheers to each other. Tonic. Cheers. Cheers. Remiss of us. Mm. Wow, that's really nice, mm. actually. It makes it very different. Yeah. yeah. And also very full-flavoured, isn't mm. it? You know, like you, you might think that you would have lost something because it is a, a sweeter style, but actually it's very full-flavoured in the tonic. It's almost like the tonic has lifted some of those botanicals and, and given it another lease of life. Yeah, I definitely recommend this in mm. gin and tonic, for sure. I like that. Out of the two, with the tonic, I do prefer the Indian style, but I like this one as a different style of, of gin and tonic. Agreed. So what are the necessaries so on this one? This, as I said, it's 40%. It is £35.95 for a 700cl bottle, and it's available from drinkfinder.co.uk. And of course, you can see all the details on thecocktaillovers.com. And now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts. Hi, my name is Ian Burrell, the Global Ambassador for Rum, and this is my cocktail hack for you at home. Um, sometimes we always thinking when we're going to shake and make a cocktail, we have to have these fancy cocktail shakers. No, you don't need one. Just use a plastic water bottle. You know, the little ones you might put your water in and squeeze them when you're going for a little jog. They're great for shaking cocktails. Just open at the top, put ice inside there, put your cocktail in, close the lid, Make sure it doesn't leak because you don't have a drink and then give it a good shake, just like a normal cocktail shaker. Uh, open up the top and then you can just squeeze out the juice into your glass because it's actually got a natural strainer on there. So that's my little cocktail hack. You don't have to have a really fancy cocktail shaker like you see in some of these bars. Just use a plastic water bottle. Recently, we paid a visit to somewhere called the Waterhouse Project. And I think up front, we should say, this is not a bar. This Mm. is a restaurant. Well, we're doing everything a little bit differently this week. And it doesn't mean that you have to always go to an out-and-out bar to have a good experience of drinks. And and with this, the as we'll come on to, the drinks play a vital part in the offering. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons we really wanted to talk about Mm. it. So... Um, it's in East London and not the easiest place in the world to find. I mean, we're, we're not, we've both of us got pretty rubbish sense of direction <laughs> at the best of time, even with Google Maps. And, and even though we are Londoners born yeah, and bred, so, we are rubbish. Well, so in the, in the dark, once we turned off the main road, we promptly got lost. Um, but eventually. We it's did, not we, that bad. No, I think no. normal people would be able to find normal it. We're people just with rubbish. a sense of direction and, and know how to use Google Maps will find it no problem. Um, but seriously, we, we did find it. And it, what was lovely, as we walked towards it, and it was a cold, dark evening, there were these big windows and the light within was really welcoming. It yeah, it's lovely. such a beautiful, beautiful space. From outside, you appreciate it anyway. But actually, when you step inside, it's like a, a breath of fresh air. Yeah. It's so beautifully put together very very natural but also very thoughtful in the way yeah, that it, it, is. it had a feel almost because i think it sort of got a little bit of a warehousey feel about mm. it but that isn't to say it's cold quite the opposite it's very very cozy mm. and it, it's kind of almost got a homey feel about it, like a really cool large lounge yeah it's nice and mainly white but there's touches of nature you know it's just beautiful baskets and hanging dried flowers and and things like that but really thoughtfully and meticulously designed you know so as soon as you go in you know that you're in for something very special yes yeah and the other thing i really liked about the design was it's not these days it's not uncommon to have open kitchens i think so many restaurants do it but moreover, as well as the kitchen be open, there was this whole prep area that you mm. could see. So when dishes were being prepared, we could see the precision 
and the love and the care and the attention to detail with which all the little details were mm. added. And it was just fascinating mm. to watch. So we should say that basically it's one of those things where it's called a social dining experience. So you don't go in and choose what you want from the menu. It's a set menu, yeah, yeah. nine courses, and everyone gets everything at the same time. Yeah. So it's actually, I love that kind of thing because I the- hate <laughs> I hate choosing things from a menu. I get menu envy. Yes, I come out in a many sweat. A I don't know whether I'm doing the right thing. So to have the decision made, for you and to have everything carefully designed for it to follow to make sense and to actually be considered is amazing literally done all the hard work so as as you say it just takes you on a a rather beautiful journey three hour journey something like three hours yeah so we'll start with the people behind it it's headed up by gabriel waterhouse and his wife patricia and they have a great team that work behind like clockwork it is amazing as gary was saying Mm. about the precision that you see so the dishes it it changes every every month um the the menu so we went in late february so we'll just give you some of the ideas of the food we had saying as you say it changes every month and they it reflects seasonality Mm. which i love Mm -hmm. and also they where possible they champion lots of local ingredients which we also think is a a great thing to be celebrated Mm. So, as we said, social fine dining concept. And there's, with each of the nine courses, there's the choice of wines or a non-alcoholic pairing. Mm. So, the wines are amazing, but actually... We're talking about the non-alcoholic parents because yeah. it's always great. You know, people that want to go for alcohol always have seem to have all the fun, don't they? Yeah. Because there's all of the thought that's gone into that side of things. And, and I'm not taking anything away from this because the wines that we had, very low intervention wines, really, really interesting and bold and beautiful wines. But it is about the non-alcoholic side as well yeah. here. So let's rewind slightly. Mm-hmm. So... Before we got into all this lovely food and the accompanying drinks, we did actually have a welcome drink, which was a gimlet. Mm. And so this was with alcohol, and it was made with gin and lime leaf infusion and some syrups. And what did you think of that? Oh, it was delicious. And it was so... um culinary actually wasn't it? it it sort of really it did the job that a martini is supposed to do or a gimlet is supposed to do and it really opened up your palate, your palate for, yeah. for was, what was it, to come what i loved about it it was as you said it was it, it was and not surprising because it's been made by a, a, a chef but that it, they felt like a real understanding of flavor it was very luxurious but you know taking the traditional lime ingredient of a gimlet but you're doing it through an infusion and syrups. It just made it, it felt particularly luxurious, mm. had a lovely mouth feel. And it was like it knew what the gimlet was, but how you can take it to end To ramp degree. it up, absolutely. Yeah. So moving on now to, um, do you want to talk about some of the food you had? And then I'll talk about some of the yes. really creative non-alk pairings. Yeah, I just pulled from the nine we had. Uh, we could actually happily just talk you through the whole yeah, nine. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we would make ourselves very, very hungry indeed. I mean, yes. even just remembering it is making me hungry. Mm. But just as an example, the, one of my favourites was the sweet corn mousse with raisin chutney and herring roe. This, I think this was maybe the first or second course. And it just set things up, you know, there's so many flavours going on. I personally really love roe anyway. But I think with the chutney... It's just like one of those things you look at it and think, well, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to make something like this at home. So this is why I come to places like oh, this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, the and they look, not only do they taste delicious, they looked friggin' amazing. Yeah. It was just like works of art. There was celeriac, egg, truffle, hazelnut and black, oh, brown oh, butter. That was so good. And then there was a mackerel, horseradish, lovage and gooseberry. One other that I'll mention, because uh, we will talk about some of the drinks and this was paired really nicely with a non-alcoholic so getting a bit further into the if you like kind of more main coursey sort of mm. courses it was a uh, lamb with black garlic oh. and rosemary 
Colreba and rosemary. Oh, it was yeah, so yeah. delicious. Yeah, and that was super, super. Well, tasty. actually, every yeah. course was. It was yeah. a real work of well, art. Well, we kept saying because there were nine courses. I think when we got about three or four in, we were saying to each other, "What's your favourite so far?" Yeah, and it kept changing. <laughs> by the time you get towards the end, you can't possibly have a favourite because they were all so so fantastic. delicious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm going to talk about some of the non-out pairings, and these are the ones from the spring menus. So there's a gooseberry spritz which is made from preserved gooseberries with vanilla seeds and finished with sparkling water. There's lapsang souchong, fennel seeds and vinegar. So that's an infusion of smoky lapsang tea with fennel seeds and white wine vinegar. Delicious. Mushroom consomme. So, you know, most people will think of that as you know, something as a as an appetizer for your meal. But they've actually made this into one of the cocktails. And they've made it by steaming chestnut and morel mushrooms with thyme and lemon juice. And then it's passed through muslin cloth and finished with a pickling liquid made from black trumpet mushrooms. There's the juice of pear and vanilla where they juice the conference pears mixed with fresh Madagascan vanilla, which is the best vanilla. Mm. Vanilla seeds and the pears are juiced with their skins on to add flavour and give the juice its cloudy colour. I mean, we could go on. Yeah. They, you know, these are real foodies that have taken that foodieism yeah. and and translated it into the drinks. And, and one of the drinks, because I mentioned earlier the lamb that we had, mm. and the drink that came with that, and this was in a way such a simple idea. But the best ideas always are simple. And this was a drink that was made with vinegar, mint. And nasturtium oil. And the thing is, mint and lamb is a natural natural pairing. And I, when I make lamb at home and I make mint sauce, I do actually, I actually start eating the mint sauce because I just love mint and I love vinegar and I start eating the mint sauce. So for me, making a drink with mint and vinegar to pair with lamb is just genius. Mm, And it works works so well. And so if you are, you know, you do want your alcohol, there are the wines that are paired beautifully. And I must say that everybody, they all come to your table with the bottle of wine or with your cocktail and they really explain it and why it works well with the dish. So you can engage with your your chef, your bartender, whoever, and actually talk about the the pairings and, and what they're all about but also at the end of the evening you can stay and actually order some more off menu and they do have a a selection of cocktails so they have a negroni a sapling vodka martini and then there's a a drink with talisca amaretto and butter we didn't stay for the end but those are the drinks that you can have to round off your evening but it's such a lovely lovely place it 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 feels you know that they've got some communal tables or you have these little breakout tables for two but all the while you should be watching the theatre that goes on behind as yes. well because the team there they work in unison and it is the choreography that goes it's into a thing of beauty to yeah watch it them really is going about their and, and also from the stage of this beautiful venue that they've put together that the evening is impeccable and we really highly recommend it you can also do a waterhouse project at home if you if you want to <laughs> Personally, I would do it in the restaurant. But if you want to do an entertaining style of this at home, they do little takeout deliveries. So you can have a six course pairings with six wines as well. And I think it starts for about £120. And the good thing about that is you can make out you came up with everything yourself. <laughs> but you know what? For the experience that you get and, and the actual setting, I would say go and do it in person. I would agree with you yeah. totally. So that's the Waterhouse Project. And Gary and I absolutely love that. And we'll definitely, definitely be back. Please have a, have a look at our Instagram feed to see some of the pictures from the beautiful space and of some of the yeah. dishes. We'll also be talking further about it in the forthcoming issue of the Cocktail Lovers magazine. The Cocktail Lovers magazine is available in print and digital four times a year. And a brand new issue will be available in April. In the meantime, why not catch up with the complete catalogue of back issues? For details, see thecocktaillovers.com slash magazine.
This week I'm going for something very, very different. It's not a cocktail recipe book. It is a book about wine. But more specifically, it's an autobiography by a sommelier who is talking about her adventures in wine. Right. So it's called Wine Girl, a sommelier's tale of making it in the toxic world of fine dining. And it's written by Victoria James, who at 21 was the youngest sommelier in Michelin-starred restaurants in New York. So in it, she talks about everything from her childhood to how she started in the the world of hospitality. She started in Greasy Spoon restaurants, actually, in her teens. And then she talks about how she actually transferred to making it as a sommelier, doing all of her tests and, you know, going to various vineyards and tasting all of the wines. But in it as well, she's talking about how she faces a lot of adversity for being a young woman in the world of wine. She talks about sexism. She talks about racism. She talks about lots of the things that people may not see. You know, they see this glamorous world of wine, but they don't know about all of the toxic things it takes for you to get there. It is a little bit, I would say... What's the word? Maybe she's thinking of a, a film script in some of it. It's like, you know, look what someone's battle against adversity. It is. I'm, but I'm not it putting also, words in your mouth. No, it is. Mean? It's very much like that. And I'm not saying that she hasn't gone through this, no. but some of it is very dramatic. I think that the best bits are when she's talking about her training and how she faces, you know, the, the tastings and, and different things like that. But it does help to actually colour some of the behind the scenes part so as I said it isn't all glamour there are parts of it that are not so great and as a woman what you have to face going through in in the world of drinks yeah I think um just if I could just say I think it's really interesting because obviously I haven't read the book I'm just listening to what you're saying but I think that's interesting because historically certainly when I was first going back quite a few years, when I first started going to restaurants and, you know, sort of nicer restaurants when I was very young, most of the um, sommeliers then, it seemed to be that they were all, mm. and they were all quite older men. And I, not in any way saying that is a bad thing, but they were very scary. Yeah. Most yeah. of them, I can remember so often, they would just stand over you as I was looking at a wine list. And I didn't know what I was doing. But rather than helping me, Mm. I always felt like they were my headmaster and they were waiting for me to do something stupid. Mm. And I think, thank God that has now changed. And we see all sorts of sommeliers from all sorts of backgrounds. And more importantly, so many sommeliers now want you to have a good time. Yeah. And also the female sommeliers, and I don't know if it's because I'm female, but I always feel a lot more comfortable because it is a new breed of sommelier and they want you to enjoy it and they don't want you to feel intimidated. And I think that that is a really great thing. And that's one of the things that Victoria talks about in this book and also talks about how she faces having to go through various challenges almost to get to where she is. So it, as I say, it isn't a recipe book, but it is something that I think that people can enjoy to read, to find out a little bit more what goes into the world of wine and drinks and also what it takes to get you to the stage of being a sommelier or somebody that's interested in wines. She does actually go into some descriptions of some of the wines and there are certain things that you can find out about wine tasting and wine appreciation along the way. But it is just a nice little romp through the world of wine. There are some challenging bits in it where she talks about she has got raped in it she talks about being groped by certain customers and also not having very nice experiences with some of the people that she's working with rather but as I say there's there's a touch of the written for television almost so you could feel that it could be dramatized for for film and it did win the Fortnum and Mason drink book in last year's award so you know it's it's a good book and I would recommend people reading it and as I say it's not a recipe book but another side to the world of drinks so it is called Wine Girl a sommelier's tale of making it in the toxic world of fine dining and it is published by Little Brown and is available at $9.99 from all good bookshops. 
don't really do brand interviews on this podcast, but when the branding question is endorsed by racing legend Jensen Button, well, we couldn't resist. We caught up with him and founder George Koutsakis to talk about their recently launched product, Coach Built Whiskey, and the parallels between coach building and blending a premium whiskey. Thank you very much for joining us on the Cocktail Lovers podcast. Lovely to see you both. So can we just start off with both of you? What's your earliest whiskey memory? For me, it was when I was in university in Glasgow and all my friends would just drink the most terrible stuff. Like, you know, you know, in uni, you drink like one pound vodka, and, like, <laughs> all this stuff. And I just remember I would always walk around parties with a Dalmore 12 in my hand. And, oh, yeah. And I, I, liked wow. it. I really liked it, but I'd always hold it because someone would chug it if I let it go. <laughs> <laughs> That's my earliest kind of entry into whiskeys, walking around my bottle and not sharing. I see, and Jensen. <laughs> well, mine probably wasn't a great memory of, uh, of of whiskey. Mine was when I was was eighteen, and I, you know, I first tasted whiskey. But it wasn't. You didn't used to sip whiskey as a as a as a teenager. No. I was a bit silly, and uh, I definitely regretted it about an hour later. But um, it wasn't a positive memory. Let's just say. But I've had a lot of positive memories since. I should hope so. <laughs> okay, so tell us about the bit where you decided to collaborate on a whiskey. Well, initially it started with, I, I hadn't met Jensen yet and I wanted to make a blended whiskey. I wanted to kind of showcase the craft of it. I wanted to make a really good scotch whiskey because there's a lot of good ones. There's a good Japanese have done really well with them. But I wanted to do that in scotch. And yeah, then a, a mutual friend uh, introduced us. Because I mean, you work, you like whiskey, and you worked in the past with like Johnny Walker and such. Yeah, when I when I worked with um, a, a race team for for many years, one of the big sponsors was was Johnny Walker. So I was able to to be involved with actually the blending process oh, and, nice. and, and understanding that, and working with their master blender. So it was it was definitely interested me. Actually, the the process rather than the drinking, it was the process that really. Uh, that, that really got me in. And when we first met, I was working on a on a coach building brand so actually a car coach building company called Radford uh, and back in the day sort of 40s and 50s with coach building you, you would go to your Rolls Royce or your Bentley and you'd buy a, a chassis and, and an engine and uh, they would send you to a coach builder to build the body of your car oh, wow. which would be Mulliner, Hooper, Radford or, or another um, so coach building was really big back then and then it sort of tailed off a little bit because everybody took the building the building of the body in-house uh, but now it's back in a big way again. So people are coach building cars. And I could really see a, a good parallel with blending whiskey and coach building cars where you're, you're going and you're, you're working with the best people around the world to bring something together in coach building and also in, in blending a whiskey. So it was really exciting. <clears throat> and also to work with George, who's uh, got a lot of experience in whiskey. I know he doesn't like it when I say it, but, uh, I think of him as a connoisseur. Ooh. Yes. I'll take uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in whiskey. And, you know, and he really understands his, his whiskeys. And uh, it was, you know, it's been a fun process working with someone that really understands what they're doing. For me, it's, it's all learning still. And it's, mm. it's a great process. But uh, I've learned a lot from George so far. And, and what did you see in Jensen as well? I mean, I know that there, the synergy is there. But when did you decide to pick up on that? Yeah, well, I think we were chatting, and uh, he's, he's just a really cool dude. Like, I think that that was it. <laughs> yeah, but that really did it for me. Like, yeah. you know, we were chatting, he'd send me all these bottles that cost thousands of people. Like, oh, look at what I've got, and he sent me screenshots on Instagram and stuff. And, yeah, I think we just, it was just a conversation uh, that we were having, and, yeah, we saw something. I mean, I didn't want to just do a blend of whiskey. I wanted it to have something extra, you know, something. You know, brand's a very important part of a whiskey. Yeah, I don't remember exactly when. Mm. But it was, yeah, it was funny actually because I got gifted for my 40th birthday this very special bottle of whiskey and uh, and I didn't know. And I was like, George, is this any good? And I sent him a picture. He's like, yeah, it might be. Yeah, that might be really good. <laughs> <Save that. laughs> exactly, special occasion. And I was actually going to open it at my wedding, but uh, it never happened. We were too busy about it, actually drinking Coach Bill. Oh. But uh, we, uh, we didn't get there. But um, yeah, so, I, you know, the synergies, I think, for you are quite exciting because we were talking about the bottle design 
Um, we wanted to have the coach built element to the bottle. And the way that the bottle is designed is it's, it's called a bird cage, if you like. And that's, that's what an old, uh, the old race cars used to be. So the, the indents in the bottle would have been the frame of the car. And that's oh. the way we designed the bottle. And also, there's also on the bottle, the, our logo, it's a logo itself is a spinner, which is basically the wheel nut that goes onto the So you the have wheel. introduced all of the elements. Exactly. Well. And if you look at it, there's a, a three spoke. You would spin it onto the, onto the wheel, the wheel nut, and then you would hammer it down to make sure it was tight. Wow. Um, so that's, uh, that's part of the logo. So also, tell me, how long was the conversation? I mean, before when you met and then actually getting together? Are we going to actually say trip? when we met for the first time? Yesterday. <laughs> it was yesterday. That's really? Serious, yeah. Actually, wow. in, person, in person to touch. Yeah. No. Everything has never been met. Zoom. Never met. So, so you got introduced, but not face-to-face? No, no. Well, it was face-to-face, but on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. So the past, like, two years have been on Zoom. So it's a lockdown baby. That yeah, exactly. I love <laughs> this. Fantastic. Yeah. So now that you've met, what do we I think hate of But... <laughs> <laughs> Regret it so much. Yeah, we really regret really. it. incredible. Back now. Fantastic. Go back <laughs> you can't push the baby back in. No, not at all. So, George, how did you approach creating Coach Built Whiskey and how does it reflect your partnership with Jensen? So, the way I approached it is I mean, he's talking about the bottle. I wanted a nice, modern, minimalistic brand. Like, I didn't want big decanters and crazy things like that. And I just wanted an amazing liquid that has two things for me that really make it. So you have two things in the market. You have blends that are just super easy drinking, cheap, but not a lot of depth to them. Mm. Sorry, not a lot of depth to them, not a lot to it. And then you have like single malts or single casts that are really high in strength and ABV and they're just really complex, but not for everybody, not for beginners. And I wanted to get both of those things. I want it to be complex enough for a connoisseur to, to, you know, to appreciate a connoisseur to to sit and sip it and sniff it and, and focus on it and have a little, you know, have a little experience. But I want the other person, the lad to just order it and like drink it and just go for it and not really have to think. Mm. So it's balanced. Yeah. And I, and it definitely does that as a, as a person that isn't a connoisseur, I can, I can drink coach bill and, Every sip is in, in, in enjoying enjoyment for me. Yeah. Um, and I just have it straight. I was never a person that would just drink straight whiskey, but with, yeah. with Coach Bill, I can, which is. So you've perfect, done it, so. George. He's done it. He's done it. <laughs> he's got, By George, you've done it. Every time he takes a sip, he's got like a big smile on his face. Wow. It is quite funny, actually. All of us that are involved and people that aren't friends, it just makes you smile, which is always a possibility. That's exactly what you want. <laughs> exactly. It's amazing. So, Jensen, Coach Book Whiskey blends all five whiskey-producing regions of Scotland. Were you aware of the distinct characteristics of all of each of these before working on the blend? And if so, which is the best expression of your personality and why? Oh, wow, that's a big question. It's a lot of questions. <laughs> that is a big question. Um, I am... Um, no, first of all, I, I was not uh, aware of the distinct flavors of, uh, of the different regions, but uh, I've actually blended the whiskey myself, which was fun. Mm. You know, I was actually able to, obviously I was, I was told how much to put in and what have you, but actually blending it and going through the process and listening to uh, the, the, the reasons for what we're blending was really good fun. Um, and I like quite a, you know, previously I've always liked quite a PT whiskey. Um, and you know, we didn't want to do, I don't think George wanted to make it a PT whiskey because we want it to be something for everyone. Right. We want everyone to have the opportunity to, to, to try this whiskey. And that's why the, where the, you know, why the price point is where it is as well. Um, but, uh, we want it to be balanced. So there is a tiny, tiny bit of PT in there, but, um, it was, it was fun tasting the whiskeys individually. Yeah. Before the, the blend. Exactly. Yeah. And then tasting it afterwards. And, Individually, it's like, wow, that's, that's really powerful on its own. But when you blend it together, it just, and, and finishing it off in the, in the sherry cask really, really does finish it off well. So. What have you learned from the process? Because obviously you're saying you weren't a connoisseur, which I love. But now that you have worked on blends and worked with George and spoken to him, what have you learned and appreciated more about the whiskey category? I think the process, rather than just sitting down and 
and drinking whiskey is actually understanding what goes in mm. what goes into it and it's it's um the amount of effort that goes into getting the right cask and the right material cask if you like the right wood and and it's really interesting and there's so many different casts i never realized mm. uh, and different casts they use for for different whiskies so that was fun but also the precision needed with the blending process as well you know it's not just an overnight thing well we'll put that with that and mm. that works yeah. Um, it's, it takes a long time. This uh, is what he's been doing. Exactly. <laughs> and, it, and it is, it is, it is like coach building a car. It's, it's the fine tuning element yes. of it that's exciting. Love that. Um, I and, love uh, that connection. And yeah. So it's, it's, it's fun. I've, it's, as I said, it's been a massive learning process for me, but I've felt that I've learned a lot in a very short period of time. Mm, okay. Are you worried? This is one question that I wanted to ask. Are you worried that people might make a drink driving connection? Because we see you with the car and we see you with the whiskey. Do you think people will negate anything from that? Alcohol has sponsored motor racing for, for years and it's it's doing it in, in the right way. You know, I would never be driving a car with a bottle of whiskey in my hand while I'm driving, you know. But people buy whiskey and they drive to a location and then they'll, you know, for a dinner, for example, and, and drink at the dinner and stay there or get in a taxi or an Uber home. So... Being um, responsible. It's being responsible. It's, it's drinking responsibly, and that's that's something that's always always pushed. I think it should be pushed with every brand. Um, we should understand. And, and it's yeah, it's happening all over too. Like there's all these single malts now collaborating with car brands. We've seen it so much in the mm. last year. Like um, like McCallum Bentley, Aston Martin, Bowmore, Glen Turret, Jaguar. I mean, it's Good. happening. That's what I wanted to hear because just in case people know. No, totally that. Um, so what's your favorite way, both of you, to enjoy Coach Build and why? Good question. I really, really enjoyed it in a highball. Because mm, right. I am a fan of a highball, even though I know you're not. <laughs> but I, I really enjoy a highball. I like, I like the refreshing flavors, you know, if it's made well. And Coach Build, again, it shines through. This, like with a soda, you can still get it. Brilliant. So I really enjoyed it that way, but I, yeah, I just love it, it drinking it anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yesterday we were going through the cocktails that we've oh, yeah. we have for tonight. That was good. And George isn't the big fan of cocktails, right? Especially with with a whiskey, you wouldn't want you don't want to mix. Yeah, well, my favorite cocktail is a whiskey soda. So it's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's basically just I, whiskey. I, I don't yeah. branch out that much. No. <laughs> but, but try these these cocktails, and they just work really well with Coach Bill. And um, it still brings out the flavors. And I know George was worried about losing the flavors from the whiskey, but I think the cocktails work really well with with Coach Bill. So for yeah. me, I would drink it straight, neat. neat but um, the cocktails really worked last night. I was surprised at how good they were. So yeah, it's actually, it's whiskey for every well, occasion. I think that we want we don't want to just push it as just drinking Coach Bill neat. It's about the experience, and, and it does work as a cocktail. Uh, for me, the the, the Paloma based cocktail that we had last night oh, yeah, is, is a fresh sort of summer drink because I would never normally associate whiskey with, with a summer. summer drink, but with as a Paloma, it worked really, really well. So, yeah, right. Well, I'm looking forward to trying it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cocktail Lovers podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please tell your friends and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. For more details on the people, places and products mentioned today, head over to our website, thecocktaillovers.com.